What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And now making his second appearance is Yo D. So welcome back, fellas. We are finally wrapped up with the regular season for this year when it comes to football. Uh, We got two playoff teams uh, that we'll dive into here in a bit. But other than that, man, how was your guys' weekends? Uh, For me, it was kind of up and down. We'll get into it later. I wasn't able to get to the Maricopa game quite on time because my son was kind of sick. But uh, yeah, just dealing with that, that's pretty much how my weekend was spent. What about yours, D? Um, pretty laid back. I did a, I did my normal podcast over at uh, Keeping It 4K on Sunday. Interviewed a freestyle rapper. Really cool guy. But yeah, other than that, pretty laid back. Right on, right on. Uh, so let's uh, get into our week 13 recap. Uh, we're going to start off with Post and Butte as they traveled down to ALA Gilbert North and came up a little bit short, losing 28-21. to 21. Uh, But Post and uh, finished the season 6-4, and four, and they ranked number four in the 4A division and also recorded their third straight winning season and playoff appearance. So another great season uh, from Post and Butte. Uh, but, Yo D, you were the one uh, down there uh, Friday night. Uh, tell everybody how that game was. Man, that game was awesome. Even from the beginning of it, like the warm-ups and preparing for the game, it was a Veterans Day. So they had all of the military, all, the whole military out there. They had uh, all the police out there. They had a uh, helicopter fly over the field, put a spotlight on them. Um, they just had an amazing intro. I mean, that school's putting some dedication to their stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it during the first half, it was just a defensive game most of the time. And, uh, they, I mean, both teams got to 14 points each. But, I mean, the biggest surprise for me, how good Poston did against ALA Gilbert North's offense. It was amazing. Like, Poston's not to be undermined. Like, they are one hell of a team for their defense, you know, with their defense out there. So, um, I do want to say that Josh Furman – his middle linebacker skills is undeniable. Like, he can get to that backfield, get to the quarterback. I would say the only problem that I see, he could have had four consecutive sacks in one drive if he would have just stopped and wrapped up against the quarterback. Instead of over-pursuing? Yes. You know what I mean? So, like, their defense could be even better than expected than what I saw at that one game. But, um... Yeah, I mean, and the one another big thing was that the quarterback situation for the post and Broncos, um, their quarterback, starting quarterback, was hurt. They had uh, Connor Lopez out there playing some snaps out there, and then they had their third string quarterback. I didn't get to get his name honestly, so I, I do have to do my research there. But he was doing pretty good for playing um, at a high level against a tough Gilbert North team. You know, they he uh, threw a touchdown pass to. Connor Lopez in the first quarter, and it was absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I mean, um, and then uh, to spotlight it with um, Gavin Thrower, I mean, they really relied on him. 26 carries for 175 yards. It, he was killing it. It's just, I think the third quarter, right after the half, it just, they started to break down. They got scored on twice. So it, it became like kind of a reach game for the post and beat Broncos, and then they came back a little bit towards the end of the fourth quarter, and it, I think it was just way too late. You know, and uh, they try to onside kick it. It didn't work out as planned, and, you know, that victory formation came out to play, and 
end of the game for them. But, you know, um, I see the Broncos going far, though. With their defense, they're incredible how good they play. They're going to they're gonna make it far in the playoffs. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was just about to ask you. Uh, a little bit before uh, we started recording, you had mentioned you see Post and Butte getting far, if not winning it, at least making it to the dance. But you also said in that last statement that they kind of fell apart. What do you see them changing for them not to fall apart like that in the playoffs or in a championship game? I would think the chemistry with the quarterback right now, just because um, Connor Lopez was playing quarterback and tight end within the offense. So I think uh, having that third string really stepping up and maybe coming into these playoffs and even if they make it for far like the state championship, which I, I see them, they can make it there. I, I mean, with their defense and then just building that chemistry up with that with the quarterback coming out there, um, they can make a they can make a run for it. And I think that that's what really would be the factor of all this during the playoffs. So the fun thing about this is that if uh, Post and Butte uh, gets to at least the semifinals. And ALA Gilbert North uh, wins out as well. They'll we'll have a rematch in the semifinals. That'll be one uh, versus four. Some uh, that's going to be fun going down the road. You know, they solely rely on that run game. Do you think if they aired it out a little bit more, if they do get their starting quarterback back, do you think that they need to air it out a little bit more in order to keep other defenses on their toes? Uh, I think the quarterback might be out for the season. I think I heard he broke his leg. That's what I got from one of the coaches out there. But um, if they do air it out, it would be an element of surprise for the other team to look for. So I think it would definitely be a, a good factor for them if they do. But um, their defense is so good. I think they can re- rely on their run game. They just got to put it together. And what kind of relationship do you have with the coaching staff at Post and Butte? So I coach for the K-8 that goes into Poston a lot of the times, um, that and Santan Foothills. So I was really close to one of the coaches from Poston that came to that K-8 with me. And from there, um, I kind of helped with Poston a little bit. I didn't get to do as much as I wanted for this season with them. But uh, we have some we have some relationship there. Um, also, some of the coaches there used to coach me back in K-8 too. So, you know, there's... Some chemistry there for for sure. Do you feel that the better team won in the post and Butte NALA Gilbert North game? Uh, yes and no. I think uh I think Gilbert ALA Gilbert North is a very competitive team. But um I I, I mean maybe it's just me being biased, but Poston's just there's something different there, you know. The the way their defense plays just is outstanding. And I keep on saying the defense and I keep on giving them the upper hand here. It's just that they're so good. Like so seeing them play, I'd rather watch the defense go out there and play than a lot of different offenses out, out here. And what do you feel was ALA's strong suit? I mean, I would really say they knew how to take advantage of the situation. So when someone would have to come out during a twisted ankle and they're just taking a rest, they knew how to take advantage and go which route. I don't necessarily think that they have s- such a great offense that it's undoubtedly that they're undoubtedly amazing or even their defense is undoubtedly amazing. But um, I think they just know how to really take control of a game and what different situations and that's how they get by. But they also do have a great offense and defense. Um, I just don't see them having spectacular. No, and I can, I could kind of see what you're talking about there because if you look at their uh, two losses this year, um, speaking of Gilbert North, they lost to LA Queen Creek uh, 40 uh, to 19. And then uh, they lost to a semifinalist uh, 3A team right now in the uh, Eastmark uh, Firebirds 36 to 33. So they are beatable. You know, they, 
I believe uh, LA Queen Creek is a 5A team now, yeah, right? The okay, so they lost to a 5A team and they've lost to a 3A team, which we both know or we can all three uh, agree that Eastmark is pretty much a 4A team or they have that caliber of play. What do you feel is the biggest weakness that Post and Butte or other teams in the playoffs can take away from uh, Gilbert North, if there is any at all? I would say their offense, honestly. Um, they, they kept on getting back to the quarterback. It's just they kind of, honestly, Post and just didn't wrap up on time or he'd get some little leeway to get away from a, a defender or whatnot. But their offense isn't, I don't think they're well put together just yet um, or well put together at all like they they were able to the post and b broncos were able to really stop them majority of the time like i said i just think they know how to take advantage of the game they know where when and where to go and when um they notice little things little flaws that the other team has they know how to go against it but i think their their weakness is their offense their defense is a little bit better um do you say that because of their offensive line being kind of weak or their quarterback's inability to i would say the offensive line more than anything, um, their quarterback can sling that ball. Um, I, it's just a matter of giving him a little bit more time out there in the pocket. Well, right on, man. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself out there. And, you know, we'll see uh, ALA uh, Gilbert North will actually be taking on AZ College Prep, uh, who finished 5-5. Five and five. Remember, that's a team that uh, the AIA had in considerations early on in the season for the Open 8. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a good matchup either way. Uh, I know that three of the losses for uh, AZ College Prep actually came from 5A teams so we'll we'll see what that matchup holds I mean like I said I think Gilbert North is one of the best teams or at at least one of the top three teams in 4A but we'll see how uh, their matchup goes uh, this Friday but let's uh, dive into our game of the week uh, which was South Mountain taking on Maricopa and South Mountain ended up picking up the victory 27 to 21 which uh, finished Maricopa's season at 0-10 and their fourth straight losing season. As you stated uh, early in the episode, uh, both of us uh, did not get to make it to the game as early as we wanted. But what were some of your takeaways from what you got to see uh, for the remainder of the game? Well, when we got there, it was about halftime. And looking at the scoreboard, it was kind of bleak. It looked like they were kind of doomed from that point. Um, like like I said earlier, we got there a little bit late. And when they came out in the second half, it was kind of different. You know, they had a little bit more energy coming out. And the one thing that kind of threw me off was they had a backup quarterback in. Number one. Jose Cardona. Right. And and that kind of threw me for a loop because when I looked at the sidelines, we saw Robert uh, number fifteen on the sidelines just doing fine and and you know doing his part in su- in supporting uh, Jose. Like I said, completely threw me off because I feel like with with Robert Nor being on the sideline, I felt like it proved them costly because there was a big drop off in the play of Robert and Jose. You know, no, no disrespect to number one, but I feel like that six point difference in them losing this game was mainly because Robert was on the sideline. Before you uh, continue on with uh, Maricopa, so I showed up, uh, the game was 21-0. to zero. Uh, You know, I had called you and asked you where you were, and uh, right after that, uh, Maricopa ended up scoring. Into the second quarter, uh, South Mountain scored their final touchdown of the game. But uh, Maricopa scoring, I believe it was a pass. I didn't get to see who was that quarterback. That was the only thing, because at the angle I was, um, a lot of the players on the sideline uh, were blocking my view. 
Uh, so I didn't get to see who threw the ball. I didn't know if it was Jose or if it was uh, Robert. But do you think that Maricopa's offense does not suit the type of players they have on this team? Because it was a lot of spread, spread option, one running back, you know, in shotgun. That was your formation that you saw about 90 to 95 percent of the time. But what I saw, you know, from both quarterbacks was a lot of inaccuracy. And not granted, Jose's a freshman and uh, Robert's a sophomore. But in order to run a formation like that, your number one player has to be your quarterback. And so in order for them to get better, do you think that they need to change that up? I don't know about a full-on change, but there's definitely definitely a lot of things that they could tweak this summer. Um and it's and it doesn't just fall on their offensive side. It goes on their defensive side as well. Because one thing that was uh, apparent and and it was kind of like a blow when we got there was seeing Ian Palm on the sidelines. And it sucked that he had to sit out that game because of a concussion. But but the, you're right. They're they're going to be losing quite a bit. But I think that they have an opportunity to to maybe rebuild that. But th- there's. There's so many question marks and a lot of holes in their armor that that are easily apparent. This is their fourth year in a row having a struggling season. And next year, it's probably not going to be any different. One thing that we're noticing is a lot of these kids are actually transferring out to go to further schools like Casa Grande, Vista Grande, or even Sequoia Pathway because uh, that's one thing that we've noticed before is uh, players transferring, even going down uh, a division to play. Um, I'm hoping that Maricopa can turn it around. It, it, it's not going to be easy for them, but th- there's there's definitely quite a bit that they need to work on. But uh, what did you think about that second half, though? Because as we stated, the final score was 27 to 21, and Maricopa was down 27 to 6 at halftime. And what's the craziest part is you saw all this action in, what, the final three to four minutes of the game? What were your thoughts about that? That made it really exciting. That that kind of brought the the whole night together where, you know, everybody that was still left in the stands, because when we got there, it was pretty packed. But come towards the end of the night, you know, it kind of started thinning out. But when... They got to the like you said that last three minutes. It was very interesting. It was it was all a matter of whether they could whether or not they can execute their their final two minutes of play and pull that out. Uh, if it wasn't for a bad onside kick and and just poor field positioning, they they could have actually won this game. No, I definitely agree. Uh, they ended up scoring uh, late in the game. Uh, went for an onside kick. The guy stayed up for some reason. I would, you know, I'm sure all coaches tell their players, "Hey, when you catch it, go down." Uh, but the uh, the player stayed up. They were able to strip him, and then the very next play, threw a, a another bomb downfield uh, to score again. And like you said, went for that second onside kick. And I think that's when the South Mountain coach was like, "Hey, you get the ball, go down," because that's exactly what that player did. But uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed uh, about attending Maricopa is for one their their field is amazing you know the track and you know that turf that they have out there it is it is a really nice stadium but I have to give it up to uh, the student section that were over there you know and blasting all their comments through their megaphone I mean you you saw when that team finally was making a, a push to try to pick up the victory all you heard was comeback season coming from the student section And I mean, it changed the whole vibe of the game. And I was really excited to be a part of it because I know that first half I was sitting there like, man, please do not 
let this be the type of game that we had. You know, first off, we weren't able to come on time, you know, and I had to kind of wait on you because I was charging all my stuff at your house because I had to run up uh, to Phoenix. And then that's when you had told me that you you were going to take your son uh, to the hospital. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll get it back from you later. And then we all know how how it is to go to the hospital. But, you know, I hope everything's okay with your son uh, at this point. But yeah, I thought that was the funnest thing that I got to see. One thing that stood out to me was the South Mountain jerseys really resembled the old Houston Oilers look from back in the day. And I, I like that. And one player in particular that stood out was, and I hope I don't butcher this, is Octavian Mingo. He was flying up and down that field. And and on both sides of the ball, number 40 was a factor. Oh, he was dragging players left and right. The Rams definitely looked undersized when it came to uh, them standing next to South Mountain. Like the quarterback, I mean, he was almost six foot. The running back was just as tall as them. And then I think they had an offensive lineman that was easily 6'4", 6'5". So I think that's the other thing that I noticed with uh, Maricopa is for them being a 5'8 team, they are very undersized. And that's now I understand why it's so tough for them to play in the 5'8 division. All right. As you mentioned, we got you got there late, but you got there a little bit before me. So you were able to give our man Vincent a little bit of, of a, a heads up of what was going on. What what was your experience meeting Vincent? Because I feel like, do you think that it was a little bit different because you were out of varsity breakdown clothing and when you came up to him, you were you probably looked just like a normal fan? Oh, yeah. He definitely gave me a hard look like, who's this dude calling my name? You know, uh, I saw him uh, kind of glance at uh, my uh, AIA pass to try to figure out who I was. But I think it definitely uh, threw everything off uh, meeting him for the first time. But I mean, what a great kid, man. I I really enjoyed uh, talking with him and, you know, getting to know him a little bit better and can't wait to see uh, what he does uh, for uh, the basketball team because from what I'm hearing is uh, that the basketball team is the real deal. And then to see him uh, this spring in baseball and kind of see what what he does out there on the diamond. So definitely a great uh, first interaction with him. And I look forward to uh, getting to know him a little bit better. And hopefully this time I'll be in my uh, varsity breakdown gear so I don't catch him by, by surprise. All right, Daniel, why don't we move into our next game, which was Vista Grande visiting Douglas. So Vista Grande uh, took care of business against Douglas, winning 56 to 26. And uh, Vista Grande uh, finished the season seven and four, but unfortunately uh, ranked number 24 and ultimately uh, missed the playoffs. But this is the first uh, back to back winning season in that school's history. So another accomplishment uh, for the Spartans. And uh, they did exactly what I asked of them this year, you know, from our uh, preseason episodes was they needed to build that consistency throughout the season. Uh, They went on that six game win streak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that to me is what they needed for being uh, such a young team. And it's something to build on for next year. Yeah, this team was very much improved. And and as a matter of fact, they made me eat my words because I thought this team wasn't going to be as good this year. They actually proved me wrong. Um, This year, they came back with a vengeance. And like you 
you said they had that really good win streak, and and I feel like they're going to build off that to, to improve next year as well. So it's definitely a bright future for the Vista Grande Spartans. Now let's go into it, our next game, which is the Apache Junction Prospectors defeating the Ben Franklin Chargers 28-21. to Now Apache Junction finishes their season 7-3, and and they ranked number 7 in the 4A division, and they are currently one of our two teams in the playoffs. Besides the COVID season, this is their fifth consecutive winning season. And Ben Franklin made it a close game. Uh, it was definitely not the dog walk that I thought it was going to be. No chows there. No, 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 no. They, and and we we saw that while we were at the game, too, because the, the checking in on the scores on Max Preps and seeing how close it was, I was like, damn. I, I don't think they heard the episode. And if they are, then, yeah, I can see why, you know, they they, they made it such a close game. But the, the crazy thing is is 4a is so up and down uh we talked about it earlier all three of us that there's no clear path like one team is better than the other because there's uh constantly a team where they're they're better than a team ahead of them but then they've also lost to a team behind them so it's you know it's kind of tough to 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 weigh out that 4a division um the only thing that's clear is that ala gilbert north is on top the only real threat to them in this playoff to me is Apache Junction with Post and Butte losing their QB1. I kind of find it really tough to put all my eggs in that Bronco basket. So if if I have to put a bet down, I'm putting my bet on AJ for giving ALA Gilbert North a good run for their money. I think the 4A conference is just insane. Like there's so many great teams in that conference that could play Snowflake, really good competitive one. Um, Posting you just mentioned, Apache Junction. You know, it's it's going to be a dogfight in these playoffs, so we'll definitely see what happens. I got my money on the Broncos, though, so I'm going to keep it right there. And, and I'll say it that, you know, I'm maybe jumping the gun a little bit, and I know we're going to talk about it a, a little bit ahead, but the way that AJ played Ben Franklin this week kind of has me iffy on how easy this next game is uh, coming into the first round. I mean, from the looks of it, though, it didn't seem like they were trying to really work their guys. I mean, uh, Gavin, he went six for 10 for 72 yards, and they ran the whole time through Isaiah Savoy, who had 17 carries for 220 yards. So it wasn't their normal output when it comes to their trio really uh, rising to the occasion. It kind of seemed like they were not, I wouldn't say playing it safe, you know, they weren't trying to risk anything big for somebody to get hurt. You know, especially uh, a quarterback like Gavin, you know, who can not only make plays with his arm, but with his legs as well. So from looking at the stats, that's what I've kind of noticed. Well, what do you think, Yodi? I would say just Prescott's going to be a challenge for them, I think. I think it's going to be a neck and neck fight. I think it could go all the way down to the wire. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to build off too much with the Benjamin Franklin game just because of the reasonings that they're trying to play it safe. Um, but I do want to look at um, them losing to A. Lake Gilbert North, 35-21, to and then also losing to the Broncos, 28-14. So, like, yes, we know what Apache Junction is capable of doing throughout the whole season, but I think with those two teams being in these playoffs – it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge, and with any com and like we said, the four A conference is just so up and down, and there's so many great teams on in this conference that you just never know what's gonna happen. I mean, it showed this whole season: Snowflake against Poston, um, Poston against ALA, um, and it just goes on and on. So those top teams, there's a lot of back and forth, uh, but definitely got to keep an eye on that four A division when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, but why don't we move on into uh, 
the other 5A team, which was the Casa Grande Cougars uh, hosting the Verado Vipers. Even though this was a very, very close matchup uh, throughout the whole game, uh, the Vipers ended up pulling out the victory, winning 21-14, to uh, which wrapped up Casa Grande's season, finishing 4-6 and and ranking number 21 in the 5A. And this is their first losing season since... Uh, the 2017-2018 season. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, Casa Grande and how they wrapped up their year? I think AIA did them dirty. <laughs> Putting them up there, um, it'd be a different conversation if they are in 4A, you know. So um, it looks like they still had, you know, some competitive games out there. So, I mean, I give it up to Casa Grande, but. I feel that Casa Grande is a 5A team. I think that they can hang with them. Would you say that. They were just put in the wrong region for a team making their first appearance in 5A. Yeah, I would. That could. That's definitely a consideration. Because if you look at their schedule, it you know it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, and it's their first year, so I wouldn't. Re- I don't really knock them on that. They're just getting used to it. But um, at the end results, you know, they did have a losing season, so unfortunately, it's like a rebuild year, and they're gonna come back stronger. I I, I believe next year is gonna be. Way different than it is this year. What are your thoughts, Luke? It was tough because there were a lot of high hopes for this team coming in. But one thing that nobody really anticipated was the youth and not necessarily the inexperience, but the fresh faces that were coming in. And with all that, it came with a bunch of different hurdles that Coach Luna and his staff had to deal with throughout the entire season. And to look back at it and to have the season of four and six, it isn't quite much of a letdown because like you said, they they were put or like you both said, they were put in a really, really tough position. And to compete with the teams that they did, I think they did a really good job. It, it, it just doesn't show in the end result because they were, you know, in the end they were losses. But Casa Grande did a really good job in the 5A. They proved that they definitely belong. Um, they just got a few things to work on, and next year they'll be back. It it, it wasn't quite the the showing they wanted because in the end they wanted to win and that win could have possibly had them at five and five and in the playoffs uh but with them just falling just a little bit short Verado popped that that playoff bubble for them but one thing was for sure um it, it was definitely great to have all these games on veterans day because the cougars uniforms that night were fire bro yeah and i'm not one to talk about a lot of uh, uniforms, but the, I, I saw those ones and I was like, okay, the, those are my favorite one, uh, new ones from the Cougars this year. Did you get a chance to look at them? I haven't seen them. They were blue camo jerseys. They were a take on their uh, Nike uniforms from last year, um, but they were made by Get It In Apparel, which was you know pretty nice in itself. And, and man, they were outfitted really good this year. I know their first few games they didn't you know they didn't really have those uniforms yet. But if I gotta say something, and, and it's gotta mean just a little bit after they got those new uniforms that's when they kind of faced those 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 turbulent times when they were wearing those old adidas uniforms that they didn't really like wearing they had a three-game win streak so i i know it's you know probably nothing and it's probably just me thinking that you know me being superstitious but i think that those threads have a little little something they got to figure out the combination of which way to wear them so that way they can get a good you know win streak with them but right now castle grand's just taking their bumps i feel like this young team and the transfers and, and some of the injuries that they had to deal with because with andon diaz being hurt that defense took a definite hit they, they, their their ball hawk that they were expecting just wasn't there because of, of, of a really banged up shoulder and collarbone uh next 
next year is going to be a comeback year. Uh, this is going to be a more knowledgeable and hungrier team. No, I definitely uh, agree that they're going to come back hungry and uh, want to win. I think for me, the um, the biggest thing that they faced uh, this year, and uh, we had that conversation uh, with their strength and conditioning coach and Coach Wood, uh, but it was the lack of depth in their offensive line last year i mean they were very senior heavy on that line and so you had to have a lot of players playing on both sides of the ball just because they didn't have nobody else to come in but those guys are relentless because how many sacks would you say they had well almost averaged a game there was one game they had like nine or ten sacks and lost like 35 to zero oh wow and you know and so they were still putting the pressure but I just think if they were able to give um, their starting O-line or D-line a little bit of rest, I think those numbers are just going to increase when they uh, get back to the quarterback. All right, our final game from last week was a matchup between the Combs Coyotes and the Arcadia Titan. Now, this game had so much playoff implications riding on it because Combs was 14, I believe, and Arcadia was 18. 18. On the outside looking in. Now, we got video from just the end of this game, and we posted it over the weekend, and we got tons of responses. Do you feel that the end result was the the truth, or was it controversial? I think it was definitely controversial. You know, people are going to see it the way that they want to see it, and, you know, they'll make their decision after that. From what I saw... And I saw two different angles because I saw the one uh, from uh, Pinal Central's uh, Jody Newell uh, who posted uh, the video that we shared. And then I saw an angle from, I believe it was one of the uh, staff members for uh, the Combs Coyotes or it could have been a coach. He had a different angle which showed you from the back of the end zone. What I could see was that the cornerback put both hands on the receiver, preventing his hands from coming up. And then kind of pushed off because the ball wasn't in the area of where uh, Hunter could have caught it. So, but either way, I still would have called it. That's just my opinion. But at the same time, I mean, you can't leave it to those things. You know what I mean? That's the thing that sucks is that if you want to be successful at the next level, and I'm meaning, you know, making it to the playoffs, you can't leave it in the referee's hands. You either got to make the play or you don't. You know, and the the defensive player makes the play. But at that time, yes, I thought it was pass interference. Now, do you feel that it was fair or not necessarily fair? I think that's a bad. I feel like that's a poor choice of words. Now, how do you feel about Arcadia making it into the playoffs and Combs having the amazing year they did having to sit out this one to a team that had them finish their season a little bit unsavory, don't you think? You know, I'm not actually surprised that Arcadia made it. It wasn't that one that jumped out to me. The one that jumped out to me was seeing uh, Arizona College Prep getting in at number 16. That's the one that bothered me because uh, Combs actually beat them in the regular season. So you're telling me that Arcadia, who beat Combs, gets in, but a team that Combs beat in the regular season gets in before them. And I know what it's going to come down to. Strength of schedule. Strength of schedule. Arizona College Prep played, I want to say, at least three 5A schools this year. So that's what uh, helped them, a 5-5 and team, make it to the number 16 seed. Remember, I told you, I was like, if Combs loses, I think at worst they'll fall to 16. But we've seen what happened. Mm -hmm. All right, Yodi, I got a question for you. 
What do you think means more? Winning against a team that isn't good or losing to a team that is really good? I would say winning against a team that isn't good. Uh, just because, you know, the value of winning is huge when it comes to the sport of football. You know what I mean? Momentum for the next time, you know. So I think losing's always going to be a factor to the next game on their mindset and mentality. So that's how I think of it, I guess, my perspective. See, the people in the, of the AIA who do the rankings do not share that that same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have strength of schedule as probably, like, if you had a way, it, it would probably be the number one deciding factor on wh- what they base their rankings on, don't you think, D? Yeah, I, th- I definitely agree that strength of schedule is the main thing. If you look back at it, you can see a team, I mean... I know that 6A is a different story because seven out of the eight teams in the open eight this year are in 6A. So you're going to have teams that have three and seven, four and six records making it to uh, the playoffs. But at the same time, if you're if you're a coach or you're a team, I think your best bet is just to schedule the hardest games that you possibly can within, you know, going up one division or going down with one division and letting the dice uh, roll where they may because at the end of the day, that's where the difference is between wins and losses is your strength of schedule. Because if Combs, you know, beats one more team, they're in the playoffs, probably bumping out. Arizona College Prep, unless whoever's at 15 would have got bumped. But, you know, either way, it was just them losing to better opponents as to why they made it. But before we move on, uh, what what were your thoughts? when you? Because you just barely saw it uh, tonight. Yeah, I just found out tonight. I think uh, the ref made a good call. No, I'm just playing. That was horrible. Come on, refs. Come on. That I would have called that. I think it's it's unfair when it comes to that. But, you know, like you said before, you shouldn't – have got to that point you know it's it's playing for the playoffs there and you really got to compete so what about you loop see i didn't even know about that second angle all i knew was the one that we had posted on our page over the weekend and hearing hearing your thoughts on that second one and and seeing that it was actually uh hunter that was initiating the contact no 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 uh the the cornerback initiated the contact but hunter was trying to jump so but the corner had his uh, both hands on his uh, arms. So it, when the ball was thrown, that cornerback was watching, you know, they're both watching the ball. He has his hands on the hunter. And then when he sees the ball kind of tailing left, he pushes off of him and tries to intercept it. So it was a clear shove then. That's what I saw. But at the same time, you can slow it down and people will think that Hunter was trying to flop. I know people uh, in the comments on that uh, tweet were kind of saying that some of them were just like, you know, oh, well, I thought, it, you know, he was kind of flopping or, you know, no, good, no call. To be honest, we we've seen a masterful flop turn into a really good play or, or actually a game changing play last year. Do you think this was quite the opposite or do you think uh, Hunter could have sold it a little bit better to maybe get the call? I don't even think he was trying to flop. I really think he was trying to make the play, you know, knowing how uh, that team competes and the type of uh, player that Hunter is, he's not going to, you know, try to flop. He w- he wants to make the play, you know. He, that That's what I think is he wants to be that guy that can be counted on and why him and uh, Tanner have such a great connection because Tanner really trusts him. And you know that if they weren't going to run the ball, that was going to be who the ball was going to. Uh, so I really think that it was pass interference and you just got to kind of live with it now. You know, that that's the thing that sucks. Uh, but the only good thing about Combs is 
This was their first winning season since 2014-2015. So you got to give them their props, man. They they almost did it. They almost made the playoffs, and I'm sure it would have been an even better accomplishment. But hey, they got a winning season. There's they got something to you know carry into next year, and it it's gonna be good to see. But let's move into our playoff games, uh, which will have number 13 Lake Havasu. Traveling down to uh, take on number four, Post and Butte. Uh, it's the first matchup between both schools. Uh, but some of uh, Lake Havasu's key wins were a win against Lee Williams, 38-20. Uh, to 20, And a win against Mojave, who's a 3A team, winning 28-14. to 14. Uh, The key losses for them are a loss against Yuma Catholic, 28-14, to 14, Buckeye, 56 to 41. The cool thing about that, uh, Yuma Catholic is uh, playing Buckeye this week. Uh, so that's going to be a good matchup. And then uh, they lost to uh, St. Mary's 28 to 14. And all three of those uh, teams are playoff teams. But what are your guys' uh, predictions uh, for this game? I got the Broncos all the way. Uh, they, they're they're going to be the team to beat. I think you're going to have to really look out for posting. So Lake Havasu, you got some coming to you. Give me a final score. Final score? Ooh. Yeah, this is a playoff, so I'm not going to go too too risky on this one, but I'd say 28-14. Uh, I'm also going to take uh, Post and Butte as well. Um, I will say that don't underestimate Lake Havasu. I mean, they did play uh, three quality opponents, and those were their only three uh, losses. Uh, you know, then they picked up a victory against uh, Lee Williams, but... I'll just say I hope that, uh, you know, the defense comes in healthy uh, for Post and Butte. Uh, They still uh, utilize that amazing run game. And uh, that's why I had it the same score you did, because I think that that defense is going to come and be ready to play and it's going to allow their offense to execute. You know, they're mad. Two losses in a row. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're mad. They're going to be mad because I'm going to go against them. Oh, come on. You guys think that? No, 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 listen, Max isn't isn't under center. You said Connor was playing QB, but then he also got hurt a little bit. And then he had to jump back out to tight end once he was healthy enough to play. So that way he can you know remain a factor in the game. If it's a question mark, who's going to be under center for their first round matchup? I don't think it's going to be, you know, them pulling away so easy. I think it's going to either be 28-21 final score either way. Okay. I like your take, but you're taking Lake Havasu. I'm taking Lake Havasu. All right. I know you just pissed off one whole entire uh, area of Pinal County, but hey, I hey, like I'm, it. I'm out way two to one. And and if there's anybody out there that that's that's going to say, okay, well, you think we're going to lose? Well, well, watch me on Friday. Oh, and, yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to it because to be honest, like, like we said plenty of times before, we always want to see our Pinal County teams win. But right now, as banged up as they are and as many questions as we're asking each other i'm pretty sure that there's uh, a lot of questions to be answered in that locker room and and we'll see what happens this friday let's move into uh our game of the week uh which is gonna be the number 10 prescott badgers uh who are eight and two are gonna travel down to apache junction and take on the number seven prospectors who are seven and three. Uh, some of Prescott's uh, key wins this year were against uh, Carl Hayden, uh, Lee Williams, and Coconino, winning 43 to 0, 23 to 21, and 35 to 13. Prescott's uh, two losses were to ALA Gilbert North, 55 to 35, and Bradshaw Mountain, 20 to 14 in overtime. 
I'll let uh, Loopy start off with this one this time. Who do you got in this matchup? I got AJ. Even though it's going to be a really close match and it's going to be a lot of back and forth in this one, I see AJ having an edge not only because it's a home game, but this is the second time in a row that they're going to make it to the playoffs. I doubt they want to make it another first round exit this time around. That's one for AJ. I would say AJ as well. I think... um... This is one of those years for them that they're going to make it pretty far in the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, I give it up to AJ. I'd say a good all. I'm going to keep it close, 21 to 14. All right. Well, it'll be a, a three-pick sweep because I'm going with AJ as well. Uh, I definitely think this is going to be a really good game, though. Um, I'm going to go 35 to 28. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, uh, but it's going to be, um, a very close game because I don't know something about Prescott this year that I just like, mm, they, they might be a lot tougher than what we first suggest. Yeah. than what the uh, their ranking would suggest, because I don't know, I'm, that that's just my thought on it, but yeah, that'll be our game of the week. Uh, and actually, uh, Yo D is gonna be joining us uh, for this one, so all three of us will be uh, down in AJ together and catching this first round of the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but speaking of playoffs, uh, let's get a little bit of an update uh, for our uh, 2A and 3A uh, brackets. Uh, so uh, both uh, 2A and 3A are in the semifinal rounds. What teams uh, do we got uh, left in 2A? All right, for 2A, it's 1, 2, 3, and 4. Number 1, Pima will be playing number 4, Wilcox. Number 2, Morenci will be playing number 3, Scottsdale Christian Academy. Y'all guys want to have some fun with it? And who, who you guys got going to the ship? I'll say uh, Pima and Scottsdale Christian. I say Pima and Morenci. Okay, well, I will go Wilcox and Morenci. And, and I think it will be a rematch because I think they played each other Last early year. in the season. No, no, this year. What's the 3A bracket uh, looking like, Yodi? So we got the same thing going on. One, two, three, and four. We got number one, Thatcher, facing off the number four, Sholo team. So that's going to be a pretty good one. And then we got number two, Eastmark versus number three, Push Ridge. Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you guys think about that? Where are you guys going with that one? See, that's tough because... Thatcher's really, really good. They, they haven't shown me any type of reason to doubt them. But, you know, we got somebody in Sholo that we, you know, we got mad love for in Coach Hernandez. So I got to take Sholo and Eastmark. You just took the words right out of my mouth, man. Um, yeah, I'm going with uh, Coach Hernandez. You know, he uh, led us to uh, two state championships uh, when we were in high school, and we went to uh, win our three-peat. Unfortunately, lost to Sholo, uh, you know, in the school he now coaches at. So I'm going to take uh, the team in the Northeast and uh, take the Cougars to uh, knock off Thatcher. And I'm actually going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to go with Pushridge with the upset. Double upset for uh, the 3A championship. Well, I, I don't know if that would really be too much of an upset because we got to see Pushridge in the preseason against Coolidge, and there were very few flaws in their game. So if, if they pull it out against Eastmark, I can actually see it happening. And it's it's no coincidence that they're number three just behind Eastmark because it, it, it would be really tough to rank between the two. What about you, Yodi? So I'm not going to play the bias game with you guys. Okay? I'm gonna... he, he only does that in the Santan. <laughs> oh, yeah, only in Santan, so not this time. But uh, I got uh, I got that journey, Mark. Uh, all right. All right. All three of us are different, so it's going to be a good one. But uh, I'm excited to see uh, where these playoffs go. Uh, we didn't even get to uh, talk about the 5A, 6A, and the open divisions that will be having uh, games this week. I got a question before we, we, we wrap things up. 
do you feel that the open division championship is kind of like a made-up title and it's it's not a real state championship i think it's a real state championship i just think that it should be the state championship and not the open division championship like if you're talking best in the state those are those top eight teams by the aia are the top eight teams in the state of arizona so it should be the like it's kind of like you know you you like w uh wwe you like wrestling it's like having the universal championship and then all those other belts are the other divisions that are lower so that's my take on it because then you can say yes we are the best in the state we are just not the open champion division champions okay but then you could argue because we we talked about this earlier with az college prep being in talks of in that open eight division now if az college prep would have made it in that open eight with with their with their bad record that they had and they lost would they have bragging rights over who ended up winning the 4a state championship because they ended up getting into the open eight well we saw that last year when uh casa grand won it you know mm-hmm. you you heard uh what was it uh la quinn creek huh? yeah you know well you guys aren't the real champions because we got pulled into the open eight but i mean i don't know that that's a tough question because you know yes you do have bragging rights you're considered one of the top eight teams in the state of arizona that's bragging rights on everybody else and where where you get seated i mean we saw we saw a couple upsets uh last year i think in the semifinals uh saguaro won right Mm -hmm. you know so it, it is possible for a 5A team and the reason they made the open eight was because of Saguaro and uh, I'm talking about the um, uh, Gilbert Saguaro. Sabercats. Yeah and it's because they were such a good 4A team like they were beating everybody and so it allowed them instead of just them winning it every year before they were going to move them up they were put in this open eight and had to compete with the top teams because uh, the AIA felt that they should be there. So yes, you do get bragging rights, you know, for being the top eight team. But at the end of the day, like I think it, it might, it should be a choice. You know, you should be honored to be in the top eight, you know, uh, but at the same time, I think if those teams were in their respected uh, divisions, the results would be different. Okay, but wouldn't you rather have a state championship ring in, uh, a, let's say, a 3, 4, or 5A uh, state championship game or lose in a semifinal game in the Open 8? I'd rather have a state title. I think they should make the Open division more like uh, the college ball playoffs where it's just four teams and they go at it. Just because, you know, there's really only like maybe four or five, yeah, maybe like four or five teams that shouldn't be in their division, like Saguaro, like you were saying, uh, Chandler, uh, Hamilton, those top schools. But um, you put ALA over in their division, you know, what's going to happen there, you know? But wouldn't you rather see like a Saguaro or... um, Well, to answer kind of his question, I think, like you said, uh, it it should be, you know, four teams. I'm I'm cool with eight teams, you know. Um, But at the same time, I think that the championship should look different. That's number one. All of them look the same. So I get your point. Like, what are you really playing for? Would you rather have a state championship? Yeah, you most likely would want that, you know. But if you're playing, you know, for, I mean, you see it in youth football ball you see it everywhere nowadays where they already got the rings prepared you know for the the tournament and you get this gigantic trophy now if imagine if you had that 
sitting in your you know front office of your school or in, in the gym or something wouldn't that be something nice to look at instead of the same placard with the gold ball on it and if you if you're presented your own personal ring at the end of the game or something like that yeah of course they can get it resized later on but to have something like that that's already custom made from the AIA and I know well you know I'm talking out my butt because I don't really know how much um, funding uh, the AIA would have for something like that but you know make it a little more meaningful and then you you would see those teams really excited to play because I know some of them who get bumped out in the first round and it's kind of like okay that's it the only other thing I would say that is that if that team lost they should be uh, should be like a first round bye for them and they get to uh jump back in the tournament and get a chance at that state title see I kind of see the open eight division as a distraction I don't I don't see the benefit in it any way at all unless we did what you said is go down to four teams but if we go down to just four teams the way that that has to be is the 6a 5a 4a and 3a uh, champions all play each other in a way that where where it has to be random it's not just like how it is now where the top seed plays the bottom and the two middles play each other just kind of like a draw at yeah at random make it make it competitive like that and at like i said at random so that way it's a surprise because if if you have a chandler in there if you have a hamilton of course more than likely they're going to come away the victor but if you if you kind of throw a curveball in there and put in a different team like a basha or castile someone like that 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 could uh possibly like you know take down that other team wouldn't it be a little bit better that way and you're talking if they played all like the four divisions that you named yeah the four divisions if the champion played each other wouldn't that prove who's a real state champion not really yeah i don't think so just because 6a is so competitive that the second team could totally dismantle then why invite three and four a teams into the open eight because it's not going to be uh competitive at all but isn't that what they're doing already? Isn't AZ College Prep uh, 4A? Yeah. And but they were considered early in the season. I mean, like, they were 15, 16, like, at the very bottom. Oh. They weren't, like, in the top eight. They were just one of the, you know, when you look it up on AIA, uh, you have the top eight or green, and then everybody else is, like, an orange. They were one of the orange teams. They were, at, like, at the bottom. They just were considered for it, and I thought that was a big surprise. But I don't think that... That's really going to prove anything if all the champions play each other. I mean, I would like to see a Cinderella story and, you know, one of those teams in 3A or 4A uh, win one, sneak one out. But at the same time, the reason the Open 8 is the Open 8 is because those same eight teams will be a champion in their respective divisions, at least two of them. Because if it's 6A and 5A. But the reason that they had made it is because Saguaro got good so fast. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have time to move them up. That they made it so because they were winning. I think that if you look it up, they won like four or five in a row. They're dominating their division every year. Yeah. And so... They had to move them up. How are you going to build up, uh, you know, a, a division if the same team keeps winning and winning? That means that they need to play up at the next level. And you're seeing it now because what are they, number four? Number I believe? five. Number five, you know, uh, so. And they and just a few years ago, they were in, in 4A. Yeah, I, I like the open division in a way. But when you see if – we'll see how ALA plays out this year in the open division because last year they got they got pretty roughed up up there with – Hamilton so just just to see how the lower conferences play out 
that's the only thing that I'm seeing. Like, it's kind of a disadvantage for them because they don't get to compete in their state division. You know what I mean? So, but other than that, I, I actually like the open division just because of Saguaro's example. Yeah, no, and it, it's definitely uh, fun. Now you're getting to a point where all the open eight teams, are majority of them are coming from 6A now because they're all, they're all in the same division now. So now I'm not seeing the point of the open eight because you got all those teams besides ALA Queen Creek that are in the same division. So to me, you're not really going to get a true champion this year in the 6A tournament. And that's just my honest opinion, because let's be real. All those teams would be at least in the quarterfinals playing each other eventually. Mm -hmm. But man, that was a great conversation, though. Great question, Loop. I really appreciate that one. But I think, you know, we can leave it there and kind of wrap things up. Anybody got any announcements that they want to talk about? We got our ASU U of A Duel in the Desert raffle going on right now. We also will be having our awards and nominations coming out soon for our breakout players and coaches. Um, And then pretty soon, we're going to be having our scholarship application uploaded on our website. So that way, our student athletes can apply to get our Leticia Cavazos Memorial Scholarship. Um, And then pretty soon, I'm thinking maybe about Christmas time, we'll have our new merch coming out. So that way it'll be a perfect time to to put it, you know, a gift under that tree with that VB on it. And then another thing, our guy Rodney Cox is hosting the Game Time Recruiting and Consulting Senior Bowl this year. And and a lot of our Pinal County student athletes have actually got their invites and and a few more will be expecting them as well. Um, I'm very excited for that and looking forward to what's to come of that. And another thing I'm really excited about is basketball is coming. We got the Joe Parton Memorial Tournament coming around in Coolidge pretty soon. And then I know a lot of the girls tournaments are going on. Coach Aaron Monteverdi and the Coolidge Lady Bears are going to be playing the Casa Grande Cougars in a a preseason scrimmage. So things are shaping up for the the winter sports right now all right sounds good you got anything yodi go broncos if that's all fellas uh, i'll see you guys friday night out in aj and best of luck uh to uh both our pinal county teams and let's see uh both of them bring home victories any last words take it easy